Welcome back to Standing By, an after-show special with our star-studded cast of The Bystanders, hosted by creators Ash Lindsay and Heather Morris and myself, Jacqueline Hales. Today's guest is one of my favorite comedians. We know him from Best in Show, Bridesmaids, and countless television shows, and most recently, Barb and Star. The multi-talented Michael Hitchcock. Enjoy. No, 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 wait just a minute. Hmm. You think you can buy a list of items like that and not give yourself away? I'm sorry? Detective Lou Lewis. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to come with me and tell me what kind of DIY project you're working on. Oh, I love a good DIY. Welcome, Michael Hitchcock. Hi, Heather. How are you? Good. How is everybody? I see Ash. Come on, everybody's here. The whole gang's here. Our question to you is, have you ever been a bystander before in some sort of crazy situation? Well, I wish I had a great story, but uh, sadly, I was trying to remember like a good bystander story. And the one I remember, and I'm not proud of it, I was in like fifth grade and I was with my best friend, David, and we were um, hiking. And then some bully came out of nowhere and picked a fight with David and I watched. (laughs) And then... Then afterwards, he was like, why didn't you help me? And you were in fifth grade. I was, well, I was terrified that I'd get hit too. Right. And, but it was right. really, to this day, I'm ashamed of that, that I didn't help my friend David. And um, just, yeah, just sort well, of like, let, him, that with you. let him have a beating in fifth grade. And yeah, it, was, it wasn't a long fight. So that's good. It wasn't like Karate Kid kind of thing, but it was, I think- it was still, it's still humiliating thinking I just stood yeah. there. I think to justify it though, like I think everybody's really fearful to jump in and like get really hurt. I think that's what yeah. everybody's going through when they see oh, believe somebody me. like fighting. Oh, I was looking out for number one, but <laughs> not for number two, because number two, he was my best friend. So I'm sorry, David, if you're listening one, to this. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to that bully. I don't know. Oh, anyway. Not good things. He's not where you are right now, Michael. That's for sure. Who knows? He could, you know, own a yacht and be traveling around the world for all we know. But anyway, I just feel bad about being a bystander in fifth grade. Yeah. Well, if that's your only was there one, anyone else around? No, no, we were hiking. Around? There was no one there. And that's what was so weird about it. It's it was it was like you remember a Christmas story where the, the, the bullies just sort of <laughs> popped out of nowhere. It was sort of like that. <laughs> what was he doing? He was just like hiding in the bush. Yeah, kind like, of. I he was sort wait. of like. I think we were like hiking yes, down a path and he came out of nowhere because I didn't know him. I didn't know who the bully was. I don't remember knowing him. So anyway, but but he Good was roughly you. our age. It wasn't like some older person or anything. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway. I guess, being like yeah. in fifth grade and taking a hike, like that's really good for your health, knowing that at fifth grade. That's true. That was the only good thing that day. Was that we that was were the only good thing. Yeah. We were being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and if there was no one else around to like enlist to help you, I mean that's kind of really well. No, there was someone around. It was me. <laughs> it was you, <laughs> and I didn't know. So yes, yeah, so I was witness to a crime and did not help. I'm not going to well, call the police. <laughs> yeah, I know it's bad. And then the worst part was afterwards when like, why didn't you help me? It's like I was scared, but I didn't say that. I don't. I don't remember what I said. You know, like you can't pretend that you didn't see it because you're standing right there. But I think he got like a clock, like a boom, and then you know it didn't last that long. I do remember. Okay, that. okay, that was just what was going through my head. Was like 
did he actually get beaten for a while? And you watched or was no. it's like, like there might be in the moment. Right. Yeah, I'll be there in a sec. Yeah, one second. <laughs> but then I had one time when I was in high school, I was sitting, I was just minding my own business and somebody who I had, had absolutely no idea who they were. I was a freshman, came up, lifted me off the ground, threw me against the locker and said, tell me you're a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, and, and so I said that, you know, in my quaking voice. And he goes, you're right. And he laughed and he dropped me, walked away. And I, <laughs> no one came to my defense, but I also thought like, well, good for him. I was sort of like just standing there and he decided to pick on, you know, some rando who was me because I didn't know him either. I thought, cause I went to a school with 5,000 kids. So it was sort yeah. of like, Ooh, I was okay. just the one he chose. You were the so culprit. I, yeah. I didn't yeah. feel, it didn't feel like it was super personal. He just had to get it out of his <laughs> yeah. system that day. Just he did. Like, he just had to get it out of his system. <laughs> so maybe that was my payback for not helping out my friend. I don't know. That was your yeah. one payback moment. Was the debt was, in high school. <laughs> debt was paid a few years later. <laughs> We just finished episode six, um, and your character, Detective Lou Louie, um, he is interrogating the bystanders. Mm-hmm. And we are wondering, have you ever been interrogated or ever had a detective on your heels for anything? Um, the answer is yes. And it was my grandmother, Edith. And it happened the day after Thanksgiving. And this was also around, no, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade by now, but uh, my grandma Edith lived on a farm in Ohio, and because she was a farmer, animals were out were supposed to be outdoors. But we had at that time our family had a little Scotty dog named Mickey, and we said, "Please, Grandma, let Mickey come inside the house." And um, it was snowing really hard outside, so she relented on Christmas. I mean, on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, so this is the first time you have to remember this farm lady let a dog in her house because dogs were like. If there was a dog, they slept outside in the barn or whatever. Hmm. So our little Scotty got to come inside. Unbeknownst to us, Mickey, uh, about a half an hour before, ate a cheese ball at my uncle's house. And Mickey ran around her house and threw up in every room. (laughs) So I I volunteered to clean it up. And um, I used paper towels and I cleaned up the vomit. But I instead of throwing them in the trash, I threw them in um, her toilet and flushed it. And then unbeknownst to me that night, Thanksgiving night, the toilet backed up. And so all the vomit and the paper towels went all over my grandmother's bathroom. And um, the next day was like, who put the paper towels? (laughs) And I had two other brothers. So I played dumb as long as I could. But my grandmother was a very uh, just kind of strict woman. And um, it didn't take long to break me down. <laughs> and I felt horrible. I felt horrible. And then the other time probably was, worse than the police, I'm sure. Yes, it was. Oh, she. Yeah, it sort of is sort of like the police. Your grandmas can be like that. And then I one time went to drama camp in high school, and um, I got in trouble by this. There was this this married couple who ran it, and we all stayed in their home during this time. A bunch of teenagers, and this is this could only happen to drama camp. I got accused of putting green um, grease paint on the toilet paper. Like, um, like there's, there's grease paint on the toilet paper. It was you, Mike. And, um, because you played Mr. Wind and you used green grease paint when I did play Mr. Wind. That's true. And I did use Mr. Wind was a character that was wind. And I would, you know, go, hello children. I'm Mr. Wind. And I created tornadoes. (laughs) And I was wearing a horrible outfit and it's quite embarrassing, but 
it wasn't me who did it. it. I didn't do it. I don't know who put the grease paint on the toilet paper, but it wasn't me. And they never Somebody believed me. Who wanted to try out to be Mr. Wind? Maybe, yeah, or maybe someone's trying to frame me. Your understudy. They were like, jealous. I don't know. So to this day, it's your fault in their eyes. And I'm still mad about it. And this man is long gone, but I can still like you know, it's like. It wasn't me, and I don't know why you'd accuse me, because a lot of people wore grease paint, because it was a children's theater production. So everyone was playing a witch or a something, you know what I mean? But I'm the one who got blamed, and I'm still yeah. mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what happened to him that day for him to take it out on you. Same I, with the bully. Someone came yeah. by and put him against the wall and said, say your yeah. piece of <laughs> shit. Say <laughs> <laughs> shit. His debt was paid eventually. Yes, he, they were very nice people. Okay, but, but yes, like, oh, I when still. Is your, when is your gonna, comeback going to be where you can just like aggressively take it out on everybody who <laughs> picked on you? <laughs> I don't know. It might have to be in the next life. I don't know. Yeah. Either heaven or hell. I'm going to meet some of them. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, we were cracking up over all of your improv throughout this entire making of this project we've been listening to each episode and there's always some gem along the way that gets ends up in the podcast because it's just brilliant and um i wanted to ask about your history in improv uh where you started um well i grew up i grew up in i well i was born in ohio but i grew up in the chicago suburbs so we grew up going to second city which is a very famous sketch uh, improv place in Chicago, kind of the the granddaddy or grandmother oh, yeah. of improv places. And so I, I remember loving going to their shows and seeing their shows. And then when I moved out here for college, um, for grad school, one of my friends was taking classes at the Groundlings and, and said, you should do that. And I did. And that's where I got my training in improvisation and uh, have been doing it since then, pretty much. Yeah. So, well, you're fantastic at it. Oh, Do you thanks. have a preference of when? Because I know that in in Best in Show that you mm-hmm. did a lot of improv with that, right? Yeah, all of the Christopher Guest movies. Um, there's a there's an outline, but all the dialogue is improvised. So, yeah. Oh. Um, Do you prefer that? Do you think? Me too. I like, well, honestly, the best of both worlds is sort of when it's scripted, but you're also allowed to do improv too. Yes. Like, that's really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Two questions. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, Heather, two questions? Two questions on Best in Show. <laughs> yeah. Were, how did they get the braces on? Like, what were the braces well, that they put on you? Parker Posey and I went to, uh, well, first of all, we had a meeting with Christopher Guest before we started. And he said during our one of our meetings, like, I think your couple would wear braces because you're, you know, reinventing yourself and all that. And we thought that's great. And Parker had a tooth she wanted fixed. So she got real ones. And then the same orthodont, I'd already had braces as a kid. So he made me fake ones um, that I could plop in. And I kind of wish I would have done it the other way because they were on retainers and they um, made me lisp. And I had to wear them like all the time to, to learn how to talk with them in my mouth. But it's so, so funny with the lisp. Yeah, the lisp kind of never went away. Kind of, I didn't do that great of a job, of, but it's it's really hard to to learn how to talk with retainers in your mouth. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And they were on both of them. It wasn't just one. Like as a kid, I had a retainer and, you know, you learn how to talk with a retainer in your mouth. But this was on both. And yeah, your tongue is, it's weird. 
but okay. Yeah, and then, so tell me about what it's like to be in a scene with Parker Posey, because I think collectively oh, the three of us Parker. are like huge fans of Parker. She's the best. We had the best time. I mean, we did. We play it with those of you who've never saw Best in Show. We play a couple that are pretty uptight. And um, so we kind of took, I mean, weirdly, that was sort of our thing during the movie. We, we have a very kind of love-hate relationship in that movie. And it kind of stuck with us during the time. Um, but working with her is, is fantastic. And there's some things that were left in, like we're having a, a fight in backstage at the dog show and it, you know, we're going back and forth. And at one point she goes, quit spitting on me. And which was actually happening because I think because of those <laughs> stupid retainers, I was spitting on her and it's in the movie. And it's like, I'm trying not to laugh because you partly wanted to go, oh, Parker, I'm so sorry. You I'm had, spitting you had on you. to break it. Yeah. So we had a great time. And then, you know, we hung and, play, and Jane Lynch was on that too. That was kind of the first time I knew Jane. Yeah. And we all, we were filming that in Vancouver. So we would hang out and go on walks and, you know, all around the place in the rain because it rained a lot there. It was fun. Yeah. We all stayed at the same hotel. So, oh, so um, you guys had a blast. We had I fun. Know about those family days. camp. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was really fun. And Parker's the best. She's like my sister. I don't know. It's always great to see her. She doesn't live in Los Angeles most of the time. So I don't see her that often. Yeah. She seems like a mysterious creature who like comes out of the woodwind and like <laughs> is just brilliant and then goes back into her yeah, cave. That's sort of what done. she's like. Yeah. That's you've kind of described her perfectly. <laughs> One day. <laughs> she's Continuing um, with the improv um, questions. Most yeah. recently you did. Barb and Star go to Del Mar. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. Yes, which was hilarious. You're so funny. Oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) And just curious about the improvisation on that. Was there a lot of improvisation? Because the whole movie seemed impressed. (laughs) Well, it's definitely a written, it's definitely a scripted movie. So um, Mm -hmm. Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig star in the movie, but they also wrote it. And uh, for those who don't know, they also wrote Bridesmaids back in the day. So, which I'm also in on that one too. But yeah, and on both movies, the way they work is sort of the way you work on Bystanders, where we get to, we do the scripted version several times and then we get to, you know, do some improv too. So, yeah. So the directors get what they want first and then the actors get. Then they, yeah, and then the actors get get to to do some things. And usually there's also um, maybe the writers on set, which at this point were both of them, they could also go, hey, try this line or try that line, you know, too. Were they so, directing it as well? I haven't seen it. No, they weren't directing it. It's um, it was a very, very, just a very talented director named Josh Greenbaum, who's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so exactly. it was a lot of fun, and we it shot it in like Cancun. <clears throat> we shot it in a Hyatt hotel, which um, that portion there was also shot in other places. But the Hyatt hotel was actually people were were staying there, so you know we'd be filming on one side of the pool, and there would be the guests on the other side of the pool, and um. <laughs> Did anybody they, decide to wander into your shot? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, sure. That that stuff happened. And, you know, I think people are always excited to watch movies for about maybe five minutes being made. And then they're like, I, you know, I don't like it anymore. They want, you know, <laughs> so done. they get bored or they want, you know, they want their pool back. And I don't blame them. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a little bit of that, too. I was filming filming a movie in Santa Fe once and we had like a whole downtown square to ourselves. But for most, like, civilians it's kind of not off limits like they're legally allowed to walk through 
So our security guard was like, sir, no, you can't walk through. And this guy was wasted. It was like one o'clock in the morning doing a night shoot. And he was like, I don't give a fuck about you guys. And he was just like walking through the shot over and over and over again. It was a mess. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I've been on lower budgets of things where they... You're in the laundromat, but they're that you they don't shut down the laundromat. So people are doing laundry and the music is going, and you know, you're just lucky that you're able to shoot there, and but everything's still happening. And yeah. Yeah, that's and, the difference between a lower budget and then like a higher budget who can get security guards and like right. yeah. stop yeah. the street. Shut the whole thing <laughs> yeah. down. Yes. Right. Sure. On the on the glee days, I'll never uh, one day there was we were gonna be filming this big musical number. And Ryan Murphy, the boss, walked into the soundstage and went, I don't like the set. I think it looks cheap. We're not filming today. And he's one of the few people I know that has the power and, you know, everything were good for him. They didn't film that day. They had to redo the whole set and they filmed a couple of days later. And that's, you know, that's nice when you have that kind of money. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then other days you're, you know, on another that. shoot, you're in the laundromat with people walking through. You're in so, the laundromat. <laughs> yeah. People are talking to you in the middle of the scene. That's right. So most of your, most people know you in your career for obviously your acting and comedy genius. But what a lot of people don't know is that you are a prominent writer as well. And you wrote for Glee, you wrote for Mm -hmm. several other things. I wrote for uh, Glee. I wrote for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and before both of Mad TV for several years. A couple of movies before that. Yep. And were those all writers' rooms, or did, did yes, you all write? three of those were writers' rooms? Yes, so about maybe ten people in each room, and um, usually the way a writers' rooms work is you're you're in there quite a bit, you know, just brainstorming and everything else, mm. and then sooner or later you're given an assignment and you go off and you do it, and then you come back and then people kind of rewrite all the time, and yeah. So do you have to learn to not let your feelings get hurt, like when oh yeah, like they're like you go out of that. Really Honestly, that's where improv really helps because with improv, it is you, you learn because improv is a, you know, you're listening. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a several person sport. Um, at least the two person sport where you're giving, you giving and taking for the most part. And, um, with writing it, and especially in a writer's room, it's the same thing. Like you have to be able to not only give up your idea, but to, uh, you know, to, if someone else has a, an idea that you can riff on that with them and not just shut down and go, I like my idea better and I'm not going to talk or whatever. Um, because they're going to help you as well. So, and okay. you to come up with a lot of ideas because most ideas you're not doing, you know, it'll be, everyone's throwing out ideas until something finally lands. And then, you know, and then when it's the rewrite process, again, you start a lot of times right from the very first sentence and change the whole thing so do you have like your own opus that you're writing something that you're just i have something right now i'm yeah i'm something i'm going to try to sell later this year sure yeah is that do you have a preference between the two writing by yourself and writing in a big room i like both i mean there's it's nice to be by yourself and do that but it's also nice to be with other people and have that experience you know what i mean and i like both and i've done both so um you know writing by yourself gets lonely at times um, and then writing with a bunch of people, um, obviously that part of it's solved, but like you were saying, you have to also learn that it's going to be everybody's input, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but even when you write by yourself, there's going to be other input. It's not like you magically turn it in and then, you know, you shoot it unless it's your own money and you're stupid yeah. and you just have no one look at it. There's going to be a million notes, no matter which way you go. 
Do you have a favorite project you've worked on written as a writer? As a writer? All of, I mean, all of the writer's room, all of the writer's rooms things were, were really fun. So I, I definitely enjoyed the overallness of Glee and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And then the one that I wrote by myself that's my favorite, weirdly, is a drama. And it was the kind of the first thing I did, which was a movie called Where the Day Takes You. And um, it was a drama about street kids in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, so, and it was, um, and that came because when I was in college, we, um, I volunteered at a, like a juvenile hall kind of a thing where we taught kids how to read. And um, and so that's sort of when my interest in it came in and I got to write it. And um, at that time, it was like the early nineties that had like that kind of a cast. It had Dermot Mulroney and Sean Astin and it was Will Smith's first movie. And it was, it was fun to write. So I like, and I actually, so it's fun. I haven't done a drama in a long time, but I do like to do them. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite thing you've ever acted in? Probably best in show. Yeah. Yeah. As an overall experience was super fun and great experience and not just, you know, the movie, but just the experience because it had, you know, Eugene Levy and it had um, just Catherine O'Hara and everybody. And it was so fun. And we had such a great time. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why everyone loves it. You can just, you're laughing with everyone too. Yeah. And Christopher Guest is an amazing director and collaborator and everything. So my was favorite was when he's talking about the, he's talking about nuts. Talking about all those, yeah, the nuts. All the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I took some gummies with my family one night. We actually got, <laughs> we got my mother-in-law to take a gummy. Like surprisingly enough, she won't, she doesn't drink, she doesn't do anything, but she was like, yeah, I would love to have a gummy with you guys. Like we're talking about marijuana gummies, right? Yes. And, um, I figured. <laughs> we wanted yeah. to show her best in show because we, she'd never seen it. And we thought oh, it no. was so funny. We rewound that nut, that nut moment, like a million times just to watch him talk about the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, being stoned, that moment would just be incredible. Oh, <laughs> oh movie. Oh my gosh, the holes would just be so funny. When you first moved to LA, did you know your neighbors? Ooh, no, I did not. Because I, when I first moved to LA, that's a great question. I I knew one person in LA who was somebody I went to college with and I crashed in his apartment. His apartment was in a very crummy section of Hollywood, which is sort of better now, but not a lot. It's not and yeah, I didn't meet, I did not meet them at all. And I was going to, so yes, I felt all alone and didn't know what, you know, it was so, and then I would drive to, I had this really clunky station wagon um, that I bought for $500 and I drove to UCLA to Hollywood. And one time these two girls at night were being very friendly on Sunset Boulevard and they were, you know, waving to me and I rolled down my window and and they went, um, do you want a date? And I thought, oh, no, thanks. And then that later I thought, those are hookers. <laughs> <laughs> They're being very neighborly. The only people that are being nice to me <laughs> are the hookers. I thought, yeah, I felt very, I felt great about it. But I thought, oh, They're just being know. so sweet. They were being that's sweet. So nice and I also thought, like, good for them. They're driving around getting their customers. Oh, that's smart. So, I feel yeah. Like all the stories, I feel like all the stories you've told us today, like really make a cycle of a movie. Like you could just write every single bullet point. Like yeah. you got picked up by a bully. Like you watched your best friend get beaten down. I <laughs> you know. Drove to LA and it's yeah. 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 station wagon. That's station wagon. 
to Hollywood. The best thing is I sold it for $500 too. So I didn't lose a dime. Oh, nice. Yeah. There so you go. That, that was a good purchase, but it was huge. I mean, just, you know, it looks like those, it looks, it was a station wagon, those massive, you know, station wagons. So, <laughs> so getting off track, taking it back to the neighbor moment, have you ever yeah. had like any weird neighbor experiences like Ooh. the ones they have with Bunny, who's just like atrocious? I'm trying to think like neighbors that have been super weird. I've been pretty lucky with that. I think for the most part, I mean, I've had obnoxious neighbors. Like I had people above me who were, I guess, bodybuilding. And so they dropped their weights on the, yeah. floor, you know, the apartment, yeah. you know, you, my dog was old at the time and she just about had a heart attack every time the weights dropped and you can't <laughs> really tell them to stop it because they're bodybuilders. So that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. And as you well know, I'm not very good at, you know, that kind of thing. So we're just going to leave them alone. Um, <laughs> and then weirdly, when we actually shot Best in the Show, they're not, they weren't neighbors, but we stayed at this, this hotel, everyone. And it was, it's a fancy hotel in Vancouver. But one day Eugene said that he saw someone not only exposing themselves, but pleasuring themselves in the, in their window. So as people walked by, they saw it. Yeah. So that what? was a weird neighbor at a hotel. A, a ghostbuster that lives below me. Oh. Oh, that's I fun. mean, she, like as far as I can tell, um, she, I guess, I think so. I think it's legit. There's a number on the side of her vehicle. It's painted like a Ghostbusters car and it's, you know, it's got the Ghostbuster symbol and all this stuff. And either wow. she's a huge fan of Ghostbusters or she busts or she's a Ghostbuster. I've never called the number, but right. um, the one time I, I did knock on her door was the first day I moved in to say, hey, I'm having a little housewarming party. Feel free to come on up. Oh, how neighborly. She oh, never I did. So oh, I, I re- to this day never met her. I remember the couple next door. When I lived, I lived in um, the San Fernando Valley and, and this um, condo complex. And my, my next door neighbors were super friendly. They were this kind of young couple, very, very nice. And then one day I came home and there were all these cops everywhere. And I said, well, what's, what's going on? They said, it's a traffic thing. And I thought, well, that's great. It's obviously not a traffic thing. There's millions of you here. And I found out later they were selling guns out of their condo and they, they, they put a trap door in the, their living room floor and they kept them in the crawl space and then, you know, to hide them. And apparently they didn't get arrested. So I guess it was legal what they were doing, but who knew? I mean, they were like selling guns out of their thing for <laughs> several years and I never knew it. So that's, that's pretty like cool. Yeah. yeah. They have their own little secret. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they, they were very, guns. they were very cool. They were, and, and they were also the ones that uh, during the, uh, there was an earthquake. So everyone runs outside in a panic. And so it's 4.30 in the morning and the woman was like, don't look at my eyes. Don't look at my eyes. <laughs> and I... <laughs> She had her eyes redone, and I thought, like, no one's looking at your eyes. We just had an earthquake. Like plastic surgery, or she had plastic surgery. She had like stitches, I guess. And then, (laughs) and so then, so we all went back inside to like literally like get get it together because everything you know shook and everyone just so. The next thing I knew, it was still like before sunrise. It was probably five thirty in the morning or something. Now she had on sunglasses outside and it was so weird but it was also very la so so we're like okay yep yeah. i get it you get yep. what you get here you get it's what you get so here true. yep that was the same place where when i moved in i found a 
picture on inside the closet of this model, beautiful model. And the guy who owned the place previously, who stayed in the place previously was a stuntman, I guess, like a, you know, working stuntman. And the picture was this beautiful model and it had written to him like, you know, dear Stan, thanks for making me so horny. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, you, do you want this back or... (laughs) I, I know I I know I kept it, but I just oh, yeah I thought like oh, wow good for Stan. So yeah. <laughs> Do you still have the picture? I don't. It it, it somehow yeah. I and one, one of the moves that went away. Held on to. I know it would have been great. <laughs> so anyway, it's always we weird. A... Go ahead. No, I was it's just saying weird. it's always weird when people leave things behind like that. It's like huh. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for always making me so horny. I know. Thanks for making me so horny. And then she was like a model. Like it was, she was a, you know. You never know what those type and what their kinks are. (laughs) Well, I figure a stuntman is probably going to do pretty good. So, yeah. And and he did. So there you go. Michael, have you killed anyone? Well, I've killed people with kindness. And I also um, technically... Uh, killed my dog because I did put her to sleep. And um, that was weird because she was 16 at the time and she needed to be put to sleep. And it's it's hard if you've ever had to do that. Um, and I hired a, a vet to come to my home because by this time she was crippled. And I didn't research the vet or anything like that. I just picked somebody out of the phone book to come. And um, anyway, the deed was done. My dog had passed away. And then he said... Um, now here's something for your grief. And he handed me a CD and he goes, I'm also a musician. Mm. I know you'll enjoy this. And if you would like to pass it on to anybody, you can. And it was just like, what? <laughs> so I put it on a table and never picked it up for three weeks. I was so like, just like weirded out about it. Like, of course, everyone in LA is trying to get into show business, including the vet who just killed my dog. So yeah, it was I'm very like, strange. That's also really invasive because you're in an emotionally trauma, oh, it was like, so traumatic weird. moment with this man and he, you witnessed him put your dog down. So like, you already have that, like a veil oh, yeah. between no. you. And then all of a sudden he just gives you a CD. Like, right. does he imagine th- you're going to listen to it after he killed your dog? Well, I never did. And I wish I would have kept it, but I threw it out. So um, yeah, I never did. But yeah, that was weird. So sorry, Cindy, that that had to happen, but it did. Cindy, Cindy, she knows you loved her. She was a good dog. Oh, I'm sorry we have to end on such a horrible note. (laughs) I wish I had a CD I could give all the listeners that are listening and watching this. What, What would you kill for? I'd kill to work with all of you again. How oh, about that? Michael. Great right? answer. Yes. Come on, yes, let's do, do it again. Yes. I mean, I've known Heather now for six years. I guess it's been a while. I would say almost like eight, right? I Don't love like Heather Morris. I, yes, season three is when... Well, I, I acted in season one yes. as a choir director of the Deaf Choir. So I met all of you season one, episode 11, I think, yeah. something like yeah. that. I don't know, around there. We've had such the best time with just everybody in it, including you. We, I oh, mean, thank you. I mean, fans probably for a while, and then to have you a part of this and then just giggle at you all day. Oh, that's so nice. And it's really coming together so nicely. We're so excited for this release. So thank you for being a part of it. Oh, again. my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. Thank yeah. you we'll so much for joining us, and we look forward to next week. All right. I do too.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't miss next week's episode with special guests Jim Lau and Karen Hui. And be sure to tune in Tuesday, June 29th for episode seven of The Bystanders. Time for our neighbors to find that evidence before Bonnie does. <laughs>